Welcome back to another Daily Walk, and we are going to look today at another Spotlight on Scripture from John MacArthur, Freedom from Sin. These are actually available for free to read on the website. You might be able to request a copy. I'm not sure if they will cost you to get a copy, um, but you can read them for free on the website, as I have found as I've been walking through this series, so I will have a link to this in the description down below so you can read it for yourself. This one is called Freedom from Sin, The Believer's Ongoing Battle. Of course, what we have in mind here is if we are transformed, why do we still have this desire to sin? And then we have this interplay inside ourselves, and John MacArthur is going to analyze the section from Romans 7 looking at this individual topic, and we're going to look at a few different viewpoints on this. Um, of course, the question is how much does does sin way, and uh, as I, I'm working on a new book, which should be out very, very soon, it is called Half My Life. I will have it up hopefully on the website for pre-order uh, by the end of this week, but uh, that book, I kind of talk about the consequences of sin and how it feels and, and the way that even as a non-Christian, it has dumb, numbed down our conscience, and we try to seek moving towards um, moving towards what feels good, but at the same time, we're battling sin. And then as a Christian, we begin to hate the sin, though our flesh nature still wants to do it. And that's really what the discussion here is about. Now, he starts out um, here in Romans seven fourteen through 25. We're not going to read that. Uh, you can uh, pause the video now and read that for yourself, Romans seven fourteen through 25. This is the portion where he's talking about the things that I do, I don't want to do. I do the things that I hate, but, I, you know, and then he's talking about the interplay between the law and whatever else. Now, this brings us to a controversy, and this is what he says about the controversy. There's always been a debate whether Paul is describing a Christian or a non-Christian in this passage. Some people say there is too much bondage to sin in view for this passage to refer as a Christian. Others say there's too much desire to do good for a non-Christian. You can't be a Christian and be bound to sin, and you can't be a non-Christian and wholeheartedly desire to keep the law of God. Therein is the conflict of interpreting the passage. And then he breaks us down into the non-Christian view and the Christian view, looking at us analyzing some individual Bible verses. So, those who look at this as a non-Christian use verse 14 as the key. I am of flesh sold into the bondage of sin. And then they point to verse 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of good is not. Okay, they couldn't conclude. Uh, they conclude this has to be a non-Christian because a Christian knows how to do what is good. And there seems to be an obvious lack of the Holy Spirit's power. There is some validity to that statement. Um, he looks at the despair of verse 24. Wretched man that I am seems far removed from the promise of 512. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we alone has obtained our introduction by faith into the grace of which we stand and we exalt in the hope and the glory of God. So there is a lot of this discussion, but he argues at the very end it cannot refer to the Christian because of the statements in chapter 6 is to misunderstand the intention of chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, of course, goes in and talks about uh, about the freedom from sin and the, the point of salvations and things like that. Um, in fact, let's see, Romans 6, he has a few examples. Uh, verse 2, how, should, how shall we who died in sin still live in it? Our old self was crucified with him in order that our 
new body of sin might be done away with so that we no longer be slaves of sin for he who has died is freed from sin consider yourselves to be dead to sin therefore let not sin reign in the mortal body thanks be to god that though you were slaves of sin you become obedient from the heart and that the form of teaching you were committed in having been freed from sin you become slaves of righteousness how can the person who says all that turn around and say i am of the flesh born of the slavery of sin so MacArthur obviously is arguing this passage refers to the Christian view. Now, inside the Christian view, there is another debate. Is this talking about a born and saved Christian, or is this talking about this, what was big in the 80s, the controversy over what was called lordship salvation, battling against the concept of easy believism? Easy believism is this soft evangelism that kind of fueled a lot of what is in evangelism today, just do a lot of things, maybe even be a little emotional, and get somebody to pray a little prayer, and as long as somebody has prayed their prayer, they're absolutely saved no matter what their lifestyle looks like. Well, that's ridiculous. That's absolute nonsense. A person who begins the path of salvation will see it to the end and be saved. Um, well, they will be saved already. They, they will see it to the end and be sanctified. Now, this does not mean that as soon as a person becomes a Christian, they immediately become an amazing Christian. I talk about this in the upcoming book, Half My Life. I also talk about this in detail in my book, Testing and Temptations. Because in these books, what we're looking at is we see that as a person grows, think of it as a baby. A baby grows up, they're indiscriminate, they shove anything in their mouth. This is a non-discerning Christian shoving whatever theologies in their mouth. Oh, this is, oh, this is, oh, this is, oh, this makes you feel good, you know. Uh, you know, the chocolate bars feel good, but they are, they lead to destruction in the end, or a big belly, one of the two. With that being said, a true believer will always grow in Christ. It is a foregone conclusion. They become mature. They know not to stuff everything in their mouth at all times. They eventually become so mature and discerning, or discerning, they become so mature and discerning that what happens is they will start to see what is truth down the road. They mature spiritually, just like your children move through adolescence and grow into adulthood. A Christian takes time to grow. Now, this does not mean that there's this concept of what they call as a carnal Christian. A carnal Christian in that old easy believism viewpoint is a Christian who they're saved, they're going to heaven because they prayed a little prayer. They just haven't given their life over to Jesus yet. And so they live like a worldly person, but we know that they have the fire insurance because they said a little prayer once. No, there is no such thing as a carnal Christian. And he talks about that a little bit here. Uh, Paul says, I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. That certainly is not something a non-Christian could accurately claim. Romans 8, 7 says that the unregenerate person is not subject to the law of God. But in Romans 7, 25, he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God. That he says, it sounds like a Christian. Now, some people say, is this the early Paul or is this the late Paul? The reality is, as we dig through here, he gets in a section on the struggle, and in Romans 7, 14 through 25, is a picture of indwelling sin in the life of a believer. The passage is unique in that it contains a series of laments, desperate repetitions of cries of a distressed soul in great conflict. Each lament follows the same pattern. Paul first describes his condition, then gives proof of it, and then he explains the source of the problem. Okay, so he goes into laments. We're not going to cover into all these. What I would like to say as a summary here of the next portion here is that he's talking about a person who is a true believer, 
but they recognize there's dangers in sin. They recognize that they still have that nature within them. Even though they're transformed, there is still this desire to do what is wrong. This is exactly what happens in the life, not of the early, early believer, of the late believer, because those sin natures are still there. There are elements of sin that we always still struggle with, and there are elements of sin that we conquer very quickly. In fact, one of the marks of a saved person is there is going to be some element, in my experience, some element of your sinful life that is immediately cast off, but there's a whole lot of them that hang around like a bad guest. All right. And he talks in here about the solution. The solution, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then on one hand, I myself with the mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh, the law of sin. So he goes in here and talks further about some other passages from 1 Corinthians and Philippians and looks at the real, the real battle. And this really is the point. Even as mature Christians, we can still struggle with sin. We still want it many times to do what is wrong. As we grow in Christ, we have better ability to resist this a little bit more and stand strong against the sin and sit back and go, okay, I got to stop. I got to pause. I got to not follow through in this sin. But at the same time, we're not completely sinless. A true mark of a Christian is one who knows that they're sinning and has remorse over it. It's not the mark of a person who sits back and goes, oh, well, I don't really care at all, you know. Those, that's really the difference. So Romans 7 is indeed about a Christian, and it's not specifically about a young Christian who doesn't yet know, um, know God well or is not yet moving through sanctification. In fact, the more you move through sanctification, the more sensitive you become to even smaller sins in your life. So there we have it, guys. There we have it. Freedom from sin is to place your trust in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We'll leave this one here for now. That's a good timing and a wrap up. Have a look over at the website, ourwalkingchrist.com, and we will have information on that new book there. Hopefully by the end of the week, we will see if I have time to finish all the resources and post it all up there. But anyway, that is coming soon, and I'll have more details also on that soon. Thanks for watching, and hope that you enjoy your daily walk in our Lord. Thank you for tuning in. Our Walk in Christ podcast is a listener-supported presentation. For more information about how you can help, check out ourwalkinchrist.com forward slash support or our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Tom M. That's T-O-M-M. Digital and paperback books are available on several online bookstores or at our website. Once again, the website is ourwalkinchrist.com.